Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 64, Providing Balance Through Yoga for Swimming. This is an interview with Jeff Grace from excelwithgrace.ca. And today I'm really excited to talk to you about how yoga can make you a better swimmer. Now, we go in-depth and in-detail into the specific tactics that you can do to introduce yoga to your beginning swim lesson program, whether that's on your swim lessons or on your swim team. Now, Jeff has an extensive knowledge about both swimming and yoga. Let's get started. That's right. Today we are talking to Jeff Grace from ExcelWithGrace.ca. Now, we took about an hour of our time to create have this conversation, and we get into some really exciting things that I know that you're going to find extremely valuable. Now, particularly of interest to you should be the games that Jeff comes up with just on the fly for my questions really talk about his mastery of both swimming, educating people, and yoga. Um, I want you to take a look at the golden nugget of what it is to be a good swim instructor and a good swim coach. And Jeff demonstrates this masterfully with his impromptu game of the Shavasana game, uh, which I really want you to take a look at. Um, he also uses the same concept, which we talk about often in this podcast, about uh, rowdy time at the flags and then all of a sudden saying, all right, listening position. And then he timed people on how quickly they could go from being insane, mad, rowdy at the flags to on the wall, hands on the wall, ready to listen and pay attention. Uh, we go in depth then to how you can focus your attention uh, and how that makes you better at physically expressing swimming skills uh, and how it just helps you overall in both uh, the balance of swimming. So when he uses the word balance, he means strength, flexibility, uh, anxiety reduction, focus on effort and swimming at, at practice. Uh, it's this whole encompassing product of what yoga can provide. And it, we get into a kind of funny interchange here when uh, really the question should be, what doesn't yoga do for swimming? And the answer would be very simple. It, it does everything. So, so you know, there'd be nothing to talk about if there was if that was the question. So I'm really excited to share this with you. I know you're going to find a lot of benefit from it. Uh, and this applies to both swim lessons and swim team. Uh, and as I explore yoga further with swimming and our swim programs, I'll be sharing that with you and how you can integrate into your programs. Uh, Jeff also has a lot of material online uh, through YouTube and courses on his website that you'll be able to uh, go right into and take and uh use in your program. So uh, definitely check out his website, uh, excelwithgrace.ca. Um, now to talk about Jeff uh, and what he, who he is and what he does, um, he's a 500-hour registered yoga teacher and therapist uh, with the Anna An An Yoga. Uh, he has two-hour registered yoga teacher in Pavon's Yoga Center. Uh, he has advanced training in therapeutic yoga. He has a diploma in coaching from Douglas College, a diploma in high school performance coaching from the National Coaching Institute, and he's an NCCP Level 4 coach. Uh, he began practicing yoga in 2001. Uh, he was attracted to it for both the physical and psychological benefits that you gain from developing a personal yoga practice. Uh, it helped him improve his performance in several sporting pursuits and his overall wellness. 
Uh, he's trained in vinyasa, which is flow, vinyasa, which is flow yoga, hatha, yin, restorative, and advanced therapeutic yoga practices. He also has 20 years of experience in coaching, swimming, uh, and coaching in general. Uh, he developed a unique and proven tech teaching methodology that has helped many people achieve their athletic goals at every level. Uh, he now takes that same coaching uh, experience and applies it to yoga. Uh, he started coaching swimming at 16 with the Dorado Star Swim Club in Caledon, Ontario. Uh, he, in 1999-2000 season, he attended the National Coaching Institute in Calgary, where he earned a diploma in high-performance coaching, uh, and at the time became the youngest NCCP Level 4 swim coach in the country. Uh, he did me- mentorship with elite coaches Jan Birdman and Mike Blandall. Uh, he assisted their groups in preparing for the 2000 Olympics, uh, the group that included the world record holder Penny Haynes uh, and Olympic medalist Curtis Maiden. Uh, during the time in Calgary, uh, he not only learned from two amazing coaches, but he was able to gain knowledge and insight from some of the best physiologists, psychologists, and biomechanics and strength trainers in the world. Um, he also had great opportunities to spend time and learn from some of the best coaches uh, in swimming. Bob Bowman, Eddie Reese, Michael Bull, Dave Sallow, Bud McAllister, Randy Reese, Rick Demont, Murray Stevens, Paul Yetter, and Sean Hutchinson. Uh, he has a wide breadth of experience that gave him extreme knowledge in swimming and coaching swimming. Uh, so I know that you're going to learn from him here based on that experience and how it applies to yoga and specifically yoga for swimmers. Now, without further ado, I can't wait to introduce you, uh, Jeff Grace from swimmingwithgrace.ca. All right, I have Jeff Grace from ExcelWithGrace.ca with me. Thank you for joining me on the podcast, Jeff. Absolutely, my pleasure. Uh, so you're involved with uh, yoga and particularly yoga for swimmers. Can you give us some information about uh, how you got started? Um, I started in this. I started, I swam and uh, then had a, a full-time coaching career for close to 20 years. And... Um, at the point about where we so about four years ago, decided to change paths uh, away from the uh, the coaching lifestyle and the coaching career, and I, uh, I I had started my own yoga practice back in about 2000, and actually started using it on and off with uh, swimmers in in and around 2001, and so kind of always been there, been in the background of, you know, for my own personal um, wellness and enjoyment, but then also brought it in with swimmers at different points when I was coaching. Um, I ended up having to, uh, to have spinal surgery in 2012 due to a car accident in 2010 and had to take basically a year and a half on, uh, on medical leave at that time. I was uh I basically decided to make this transition and one of the uh one of the ways that our med team med team stayed focused it was um I had spinal surgery I guess March 1st and the yoga teacher training I was going to be doing started August 1st and uh so we had a we had a goal and that brought me to my teacher training and after that it only seemed like a natural fit to bring this back to the world I had always been involved in and always had a passion for that being the swimming world. Did you decide to be, get into yoga before your spinal surgery? 
Yeah, yeah. I started my own personal practice back in about 2001. Wow. Uh, so, and, and what is a teacher training you mentioned? Is that to teach yoga? Yeah, the, the, there's different levels of teacher training, of course, as there is in anything. <laughs> and the general, the, the general um, standard of uh, a registered, what's considered to be a registered yoga teacher is a 200-hour training. Mm-hmm. And so for myself, I, I found a place that resonated with me in, uh, in Pavones, Costa Rica, at a place called Pavones Yoga Center. I went down there. I did my 200-hour training. It take about three, three and a half weeks, and then there's another 100-hour training after that point, more based around meditation. And I enjoyed myself so much there. I did that, and then um, I've actually gone on to do uh, what's called um, yoga therapy training. So I've done a 500-hour. teaching certification that's all based around uh, yoga therapy and then just in the process of becoming a officially certified yoga therapist. I call I call people that are involved with swim lessons and swim teams aquatic professionals. I would certainly call you a yoga professional. Does that sound like a safe <laughs> title in your opinion? Yeah, yeah, for Great. sure. Great. Uh, you have an extensive swimming background. Why the change from, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, nights and weekends for coaching, early mornings. Um, why the switch from swimming to yoga initially? Like what was, what brought you to that moment? Yeah. Well, what brought me to that moment really, um, was that, that year and a half of, of a medical leave. And um, looking just how I was uh, living my life and and what I was doing, and also I have I I have some other medical challenges that I have to take into consideration. That that actually always helped me with a lot, um, but that was uh, where I had to look at how I was managing my life and I needed to do it a little better. I was um, I think your your typical swim coach has a passion for it and um, I was all in and I didn't know how to be anything but all in and unfortunately anyone in the uh, swimming coaching career pathway knows that all in a lot of times can mean you know good old 60 hour weeks if not more if you've got multi-day swim meets and and can be days on end weeks weeks on end maybe even months on end without days off and then you've got um, all the other dynamics that go with it. Of course, uh, loving, loving, you know, the interaction with uh, on the deck, but there's always the politics that come into it. Absolutely. Why, why yoga? What, what was it about yoga? I mean, you, what, what was the first time you moved into yoga? I guess. Yeah, yoga yoga attracted me for a couple of reasons. Um, at the time, I was um, I was I was full time coaching. I just started actually going to full time um, school while coaching at the University of um, Calgary, where I did uh, a school called the National Coaching Institute there, and uh, got to apprentice with some great coaches at the time. But for me personally, because the rest of my life was kind of wrapped in swimming 
one of the things that I did do and still do do for my own enjoyment and recreation is rock hunting. Oh, interesting. And yeah. And I was having some, some injury, um, challenges at that time. I was also having just realizing, you know, my mobility was not up in the, uh, in, in the same zone as my strength. Mm -hmm. And that was holding me back. But, then also, um, you would draw, drew me to it, um, an Eastern thought I was kind of drawn to for reasons I didn't necessarily understand earlier in my life. You know, I was, I guess, in 2000 when I took my first yoga class, I was you know, 24. Mm-hmm. And um, subsequent to that, the, the, the health challenges that, I have that that is consistent and persistent is that I'm I'm challenged with bipolar two disorder and uh, so yoga I really think you know in the deep recesses of of my mind things were telling me that I needed to have a practice that was about mindfulness that could really kind of just just me have, have me on a better path to wellness and have me with um, better balance and better perspective. Do you think being a swimmer, which is itself swimming, is a very mindful activity? And we talk about this with uh, Dominic Latella from The Swim Box in episode 61. Uh, we kind of get into it with Megan Gilbert, who is a sports psychologist in episode number 57. This idea of mindfulness and how swimming is connected to it pretty closely. It has Do you think your experience as a swimmer, as a swim coach, and then once you turned into yoga, really, it helped you with your yoga practice and, and, and doing the mindfulness aspect of it, you know, the awareness of your breath, the, the, uh, holding poses in different ways. It, what did it help you? Do you think? I mean, is there a connection there? Well, I mean, definitely for me, um, as a person, as a whole, it, uh, the mindfulness, aspect and and the the how how powerful it is in my life now has helped me overall with everything mm-hmm. um i mean when you look at it and you look to the connection with swimming i mean that was one of the biggest things when i first started doing with swimmers it was uh it was funny i was actually talking to a coach today about it because she asked me a, a similar question and and I had actually forgotten about this when I first started teaching yoga, but the first time I ever did um, yoga with a swim group was back in about 2002 when I had a varsity group that I was coaching at the University of Calgary. And I thought, you know, I, I, I had been doing some yoga and I thought that it was great for so many things and not only, you know, the physical aspects, the mental aspects and it was funny the, the the only resources i had was to um grab a tv with a vcr we would go into a classroom that we probably shouldn't have been in but <laughs> push the chairs to the back and um and played a rodney Lee videotape that was uh just a general yoga videotape and uh we did we did what uh what we could with what we had and the mindfulness aspect to me always within uh, how it can how it can come back to swimming in so many ways, I think is one of those great connections with yoga. And really, when I started using it 
with one of my swimming groups, I guess this would have been back in about 2008 or 2009 when I was the head coach of an age group team up here in, uh, in West Vancouver. We started doing it uh, one to two times a week with them at that point. And one of the things that if you took any kids from the age of 10 to the age of 17 um, at that point, they, they would tell you some of my thoughts on mindfulness and why I thought that, you know, that was so important to swimming and whether that be the concepts of the quote unquote zone or quote unquote flow, or whether that be related to the concept of easy speed. I think that really being able to have the mind present and in the moment um, is extremely uh, applicable when you go from the yoga mat to the pool and, and as you had suggested from the pool to the yoga mat. And it's, um, it, I, and I mean, when you even take it behind the blocks, the mindfulness keys can be so important for someone who is challenged with some of that pre-race anxiety to a point where it's not good for them. And when you learn some things that you can learn on the mat that you can take, you know, behind the blocks, even before you race to get your mind into that zone so that you do have the ability to tap into flow and you do have the ability to tap into easy speed. Um, I mean, it can be so beneficial when you look at yoga from a mindfulness aspect. Do you, and I, and I really resonate with much of what you, almost every, really everything that you just said, uh, that <laughs> I, I practice yoga myself. I'm not deep into it, but I'm curious on, and, and you have a number of videos on Swim Swam, uh, I think it's .com, and I'll put a link to that in the yeah. show notes here, uh, which you know, I've gone, I've looked at, I've, I've watched and, and I, I like and will likely use the same things if, with my own swimmers. Um, I think this is a good time to start talking about what, what specifically can we do with yoga to make better swimmers? You talked about the flow and the easy race, was it? The, it's something I've heard before, but I don't use it. The concept of easy speed. Easy, easy speed, speed, correct, yeah. Because my what I'm thinking is, okay, those in large part are ways of thinking. And swimming yeah. is a physical expression, and yoga is a physical activity. How are we taking these physical things and turning them into thought, which then makes our physical actions better? Does that, you know what I mean? Like, that, what, that I, I understand what you're saying. It's just yeah. that that is a huge question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's narrow it down. Know, a little bit. I, let's narrow it down just a little bit. So, it, you you yeah. you've written, I think, an article in a first swim swam, and you talk about connecting your breath and your movement. So, I think that's probably yeah. the basis for where you begin is being aware of your breath, and then how do you make it help you move better. Yeah, so I mean, when you look at, and why don't I take the, the, the first part of what you've just asked into the basic breath and, and mindfulness aspect and then build into the breath movement connection. Great. So when you look at the mindfulness piece, one, one of the things that I think is a, um, is a, is a real misnomer when people think of, 
you know, meditation or mindfulness practices, they have this idea that it's all about clearing the mind of, of, of thoughts. And, and I can tell you, I've, I've, you know, I've spent some time with, uh, with, with people who have dedicated their life to living mindfully in the way of, you know, I, I got to spend a little bit of time um, a couple of summers ago to do a retreat at, at a Buddhist monastery in France. And, and I've always said to people, and, and it was reconfirmed in this experience that, you know, there's people who are the most devout, dedicated, um, meditation, mindfulness practitioner. Well, I, I don't know if practitioners is the right word, but you know where I'm going. Um, they've been doing it for their entire life and they'll tell you they can't think about nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the, uh, that's almost the concept of, you know, don't think about the pink elephant yep. and you're going to think about pink elephant. So mm-hmm. don't think about nothing. Well, you're all, you're automatically going to be thinking, right? So well, it is nothing. That, that's what? one of the things. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I start asking questions. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that kind of turns people away from a thought that this might be an actual um, achievable practice that could be productive in any way, shape, and form. And really what um, you're looking at when you're talking about mindfulness is awareness, awareness of the moment and releasing attachment um, to things that aren't happening in the moment. So when you look at it and you look at the concept of mindfulness and breath, you're using your breath as an anchor, an anchor for your attention. Now, as, as you have your attention to your breath, your thoughts are going to flow into the mind. And the key when you're talking about a mindfulness practice is to not allow those thoughts to consume you, to not allow your attention to attach to those thoughts, to notice them but to allow them to move kind of freely in and out of your mind without, once again, the attachment of your attention, but also that um, eliciting of emotion that is, you know, can really cause us to get lost in thought. And it was funny, I was actually just reading today in a, in a book that I'm currently into that um, it's said by many um, yogis in the past that, the this the state of almost nirvana is when you can pay attention to twelve of your breaths fully. <laughs> so that's kind of like what they say is the end game, right? Yeah. Is to be able yeah. to pay attention to twelve of your breaths without thought. So that I think whenever you're talking to someone who has never pro- approached this type of practice or concept, and you go, well, that's 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 kind of like the end game, and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, I'm not that bad then, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And it takes away that that whole frustration with the, the initial practice. So when that's the first part is to have that understanding that your breath is an anchor. Can I, can I recap here? That, Just yeah, for, for, sure. for people. So, so I've talked. I've, I've mentioned this before. I actually had an epiphany on on the way home. I was driving for four hours and. <laughs> listening to a podcast and they're talking about meditation. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we can apply this to swimming. Uh, but just to, re- <laughs> you know, to recap in that vein, it's, uh, the, the goal of mindfulness or meditation, if you will, uh, is acknowledging your thought 
that's not on your breath or not on your anchor, as you say. In your anchor, mm-hmm. we use the breath as the anchor, and when we think of something else, it's going to happen, and but we acknowledge it and return to our anchor. And that is the yeah. building the mindfulness muscle, if you will, um, uh, if, if that recaps it there. That, you know, that's, uh, I think that sums it up perfectly. And one of the things just on, I guess, kind of um, before I lead into, well, I mean, actually, I, it, it leads perfectly into movement and breath is that another one of the anchors that, you know, my teachers have taught me that you can use and I feel that you can use. And this is, you know, a, a feeling of this from my life before being, um so much of yoga in my life, but my life as, as a swim coach is that your body awareness can also be an anchor, right? Because if you're completely in touch with what you feel in your body mm-hmm. and, you know, not doing that with expectation, like, man, you know what? My taper, I'm two weeks in, you know, and that's usually the crappy part of a taper, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I should be feeling better by now, mm-hmm. right? So you've got that expectation. So if you take that away or, you know, when you're scanning through the body, paying attention and you're like, oh man, like why are my legs so stiff? I, it's not like I did any hard kicking set for the last two days, right? So mm-hmm. you've got those two things that it will take your body awareness away from the moment. But if you just notice like right now, you know, my forearm is kind of stiff or, you know, my, my ankle is swollen, but not think about why it is or what it is. It's just, it's there. And my, that's another anchor, just like your breath, because that is purely in the moment. So now when you take that body and breath connection, you're taking that all to that next level of awareness. And so, I mean, there can be several things that you can then take from that when we look at taking, you know, how you can develop that on the mat into water. One is that movement with ease, because when we think about it, you know, that what creates tension is thoughts that, that when, you're, when you're away from the moment, when you're not into the activity you're doing, when you're not fully, fully aware of, you know, what, what the body, what the mind is doing. And so that, that awareness allows you to move with greater and greater ease. So when I talk about easy speed, that's, um, that's terminology that I think several people use, but one of the people that has a lot is a, a swim coach from Australia, Bill Sweetenham. Mm-hmm. And he talks about easy speed being 100% speed at 95% effort, yeah. right? So it's mm-hmm. learning how to swim, relax without that tension. So I think when you learn to move seamlessly, or not even seamlessly, because that's one of those ideal words, but when you learn how to move um, connected to your breath and really truly connected to the body with that awareness, you're going to move with greater and greater ease. You're not going to have as much tension within the body that's going to create that inefficiency in the water. When you then look at that awareness in another aspect, when you're focused and you've really got that awareness breath-wise and connected body-wise, you 
start to have better spatial awareness. You start to have better understanding of how I can move my body, how I can move my arm, how can I fix that catch, how can I raise my elbow up so I am getting a proper catch and using my full paddle in the water, whereas if you are not um, in touch with the awareness as well, your ability to actually change stroke to change technique is not going to be as precise or as efficient. I'm hearing that when you focus on your breath, when you begin with your breath, or if you begin on just doing a body evaluation, being aware of my my toe hurts because I stubbed it this morning and it's swollen, you focus on that pain or or sensation of feeling, whatever your anchor is, you begin there and that over time as you practice your attention on that anchor and you dismiss rogue thoughts and you know the questions that come to mind, you create a stronger connection with your body and then that translates into better swimming performance because you're not you know you're not engaging all of your muscles to make you go faster you're moving your body in connection with your breath to go fast but you're not fighting the speed you're it's a, it's happening as a result of the actions you're taking instead of forcing the speed um and then you get better at manipulating your body in the water or in just in space in general because you're aware of it more. Is that kind of recap what you said in a, in a, in a swimming yeah, perspective? Yeah, that, uh, that takes a lot of words that I put out there and makes it into lust for sure. Well, um. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, I, I do that just to confirm that I'm understanding what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I just, I was like, man, I should try to be a little less wordy. Um, <laughs> no, no, you, you're spot on. Things you, <laughs> awesome. Awesome. One of, uh, one of the things before, I don't know if we, we are leaving, uh, this subject matter transition center up or, or whatever. Um, I just want to make sure I bring this up when sure. you connect breath and breath and body. One of the, one of the bigger, biggest aspects too, is when you look at it related to how this can help swimming is that ability to recover faster and the ability to be able to know how to allow the body to relax. And that's one of the things that, you know, I do um, almost every, uh, lately almost every time that I do um, the final pose in yoga, which is uh, the final resting pose called Savasana or, um, you know, the, the English of that is corpse pose. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we do instead of just um, saying, you know, relax and let go, it's going through a slow body scan and using your breath and your awareness as you go. So take a number of breaths to move through the body. And as you do that, once again, without that expectation or judgment, as you do that, when you hit an area that might be stiff or tight that you really want to allow to release, take a few breaths, have your awareness there, and use your exhales to create that release. And that relates right back to something that we'll be doing within the actual, if you want to say, active um, part of the yoga session, is that when we come into 
um, a pose where we really are going to allow that relaxation and release to come, you want to use your breath and you have that awareness of that. So then we take it back into when they're in Shavasana. And as I call it and, and, and use the term of intentional relaxation. So the swimmers or you as a swimmer can use this uh, body scan in this way with the connection to the breath and the awareness in the body to be able to enhance your recovery by learning how to be intentional, intentional about how to relax your body. That sounds great. That, that, and yeah. I'm glad you added that in there. Um, because it kind of gives you a, if you know, if I don't know, if you're listening to this and you've gone through a yoga session or you've you've followed a video, you said Rodney Lee, Yee, right? Uh, initially was the first Rodney, video. Yeah. yeah, I have a video yeah. of his and he's a he's he's a specimen of excellence. Like he, he's intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and way to start with, like you start with the perfection there. But so, uh, you know, you. At the end of it, when you're relaxing and and moving out, and you're you're laying on your back with your 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 body in in corpse pose. I I like the name, so I like calling it corpse pose. Um, oh no, absolutely. Yeah, and you are checking in with your body. I, I like how you you describe that. That's very. Um, uh, it made me think about while you're talking. I'm thinking, okay, and it's for swimming and. When can we start? Because, you know, you've worked with age group swimmers before, and the primary audience here is uh, swim lessons and developmental swimmers and some age group swimmers as well. Yeah. Uh, how how early can we start teaching mindfulness and yoga? And, and I'd like to get into some specific yoga poses, but I guess the question is, um, and I will go back to that, is how do we get our swimmers to pay attention to their thoughts and then therefore better swimming when they're children, you know, cause they're going to be all over the, you know, they, they need stimulation. How do we, I don't I don't want to say trick them, but how do we get them into these thought patterns? How do we get them to pay attention and focus their attention um, by providing them with physical activity? Is that, do you have some t- like yeah, no, way to connect that? No, no, my, my, I mean, my thoughts on that go right back to what I think anyone who teaches at developmental, um, any age group swimming level looks at in how you have to create engagement, right? And yep. the initial part of creating that engagement is play. So there needs to be that sense of playing what you're doing and then just as with anything else, when we look at the swimming continuum and long-term development, that play becomes more focused. And as things become more focused, hopefully, you know, our swimmers continue to have that, that joy aspect of what, what they're brought to in the way of the games into their swimming as they progress on and, and whether it be become, you know, a, a better age group swimmers, you know, university swimmers, elite level swimmers, master swimmers, or triathletes. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, on that continuum. So when we look at developing swimming skills, 
on that continuum. We've got to start with play. So I think that you've got to look at how do you make that play. And, you know, one of, one of the, one of the things that, you know, I think when you look at it, um, and I don't know, this is very a mix of yoga teacher and, and, and former age group swim coach is, um, you know, I would, would teach a, teach a few poses and this is younger guys. And I would yell at a pose and then yell at another pose that they'd have to get into and then yell Shavasana. <laughs> and then they'd all lay down on their mats. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. okay. Yep. Pay attention to three of your breaths and then get them up and get them into tree and pretend to be a tree and, and pretend you have, and you, you might have a deal I've got a whole bunch of stuff that I've done <laughs> coming to me at the same time here, but you know, maybe you get the group up and you get them, um, you teach them how to do tree. They have to pretend to be a tree. Sometimes I'll get them in partners where one of their partners, the wind. So they have to try mm-hmm. to gently knock them off balance. And so they're all playing. And then all of a sudden you yell Shavasana, you know, and they have to all go down and then they know Shavasana doesn't mean just lie down. It means pay attention to one, two, three, four, five, however many breaths. Um, you can then, you know, bring in the different sounds of breath. You know, when you look at ujjayi breaths, um, which is a, just a breath used um, by constricting the throat, which was one of the common breaths that you'll hear um, used, uh, especially in a general uh, yoga class or practice, it sounds like Darth Vader. <laughs> can right? you, can so you give us an example? You, you, <laughs> oh man, you make me do a jive breath on the phone. If it's easy. Okay, hang on. <laughs> so. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so you get the kids going around and pretending they're Darth Vader and, you know, they have to pay attention to their breath in that way. So you've got, I mean, you know, there's there's a bumblebee breath, which is, you know, a simple humming, which is is shown through studies to, to create physical re- and mental relaxation. So, you know, you need I haven't done this one exactly, but it just popped into my head. Maybe you get, you know, your trees and they're lined up and their partners are now the bees, right? And then the trees have to focus on their body awareness in the moment because they've got to stay balanced while the bees are flying around and and using the bumblebee breath. Wonderful. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, that that's fantastic. What what you're describing here is something that I think is the way you're talking about this is like the 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 golden nugget of being a quality, in my opinion at least, a quality swim coach, a quality instructor, and I'm sure what helps make you a a, a, perf, a, a yoga professional here is you have this diverse range of experience but then you're tailoring it to the audience that you have and you're talking, you know, you, you have tree pose and you're, you're separating it out. You're, you know, you're making it interesting and fun and challenging, but at the same time you're providing a very specific, you have a very specific goal and that's, you know, the attention and the mindfulness and the, and the proper practice 
but you're doing it in short spurts, you know, tree pose, and you're making it fun, which is phenomenal. And I, I think we could go in depth in this at a later time because uh, it's something I'm trying to plumb the depth of. Um, yep. That's in part what this podcast is all about. So I, these are fantastic uh, things here. Is this a good time to kind of ask you what – what are the three or four specific things you would suggest for a swim lesson program or swim teams to start putting into their program? You know, um, just something that they can look up or do or watch your videos and, and see and start adding it to their dry land programs even. Yeah. Well, you know, um, couple of things one one is what i can do is is kind of step away and if i'm thinking more along the lines of so when you're saying a swimming lessons program what what kind of what kind of age dyna- uh, demographic are you are you thinking exactly give me give me a window of time three to twelve okay so one of the things i can do for you is put together um a page on my website, mm-hmm. which uh, is excelwithgrace.ca. You can also get to it through .com. I've bought that no domain name. It came free. Um, so you can get to it basically um, through the CA, through the .com, which is, once again, Excel with Grace. Mm-hmm. And um, what I can do is create a page there, and I can put up, you know, kind of four poses and some of the cues or keys that you could use with, you know, kids of, and I'll, and, and I'll split it into, you know, maybe three to six and six to eight and 10 to 12 and, and put a website or a a webpage up there for your listeners so that they, they, they can see, you know, some of the things I'm talking about and have a reference tool. And then, as well, if they if they do have questions, by all means, uh, you know my contacts up there. But it is Jeff at ExcelWithGrace.ca. They can they they can also feel free to contact me um, with questions. And there's definitely some things that we can look at there. Now, when you're looking at it, I think you need to you need to look at once again, that long-term development model and what you're trying to do at those specific ages. And when you look at it again, that's a, you've got a good span of the age there where they're going through a lot of different development. So I think, you know, one, one of the things I always said to um, the development coaches who worked for me was if you can do three things, that's all I care. Wow, what are obviously, those... I want you to do more. Yeah, I need to know the these three, three things. things yeah. are teach your kids how to listen, teach them how to streamline, and have them wanting to come to the pool. That's a if tall you can order. Do those three things. Yeah, it's a tall order, but you know what? Those three things, you're, 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 you've, set, you've set kids up to be good at whatever level they want to be. Right. Mm-hmm. It's no easy feat by any means, but you know, one of the things I did as a, as, as a swim coach kind of on that, where that Shavasana game came to was I used to have something called listening position. 
and just was simply hands on deck, ears up, mouth shut, eyes on me. And what we would do for the first probably two weeks with any of the 10 and under groups that I worked with, and that could be down to, you know, five, six-year-olds, is they would go in and they'd go out to the flags and they act as rowdy as they possibly can. Um, <laughs> with restraints, of course. Um, <laughs> and I'd have my stopwatch and I would yell listening position and they would get timed on how quickly all of them could get to the wall, their hands on the wall, their ears up, their mouth shut and their eyes on me. And so we turned that aspect of pay attention and listen into game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think that that is, so getting back, I kind of got off track there a little bit. That was a great question on. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but I think that's, you know, the first thing is to teach um, some attention. So whether that be, you know, through something like we've described, I like when you need to have some focus and attention. I love bouncing poses. And when you're talking balancing poses, by no means do they have to be, you know, difficult. Um, and no means do they have to even necessarily look like, you know, specific yoga. But, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, and heck, I use this with, with everybody from age group, 10-year-olds to, you know, working with National Training Center guys, is you start in a tabletop, hands and knees. And simply you bring, you know, your right leg up and back, keep your hips even so that your core stays strong. So now you're bringing the physical elements here, right? Along with some of the the mental focus. And you've got, you want to keep the hips square and even so that you've got the core engaged properly. So that's it. Yeah, I said right foot up and back. So then you bring your left arm up and forward. You want to have that coming straight from the shoulder socket. So they're learning that strength, obviously completely applicable to swimming Mm -hmm. and also having that mobility and having the thumb up there. And you want to have the spine in a neutral position. So these are all just cues. Of course, when you're working with a four-year-old, you're going to make that a heck of a lot different in how you talk. Mm -hmm. But You've got all of these elements in a balance and a pretty simple balance that they're going to have to use their focus to stay in. And you've got something that's very applicable to your freestyle and your backstroke because you've got a cross-body connection, which is something that needs to happen when you're developing freestyle and backstroke. Now, when you take that to the next level, which is funny because almost everybody laughs at this once again from you know 10 year old to to national training center you know level swimmers or whatnot is that um you do right leg right arm Ah. right so now this is a whole different core control this is a whole different balance challenge a whole different awareness challenge but also you got to look at it this is more applicable than a vertical balance because this is a horizontal balance. So when you look right again, right at that swimming specific, um, you've got a horizontal balance, which is obviously we know we'd much rather have a horizontal balance in the water than a vertical balance in the water because we know which one's going forward. Mm-hmm. 
So it, right? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. For this, is are you opening up, like rotating your your shoulders and your waist sideways, or are you maintaining that horizontal plane with your back and shoulders, with your right hand and your so right when hand? when you look at it, it's your your quote unquote ideal is uh-huh. to have everything squared and and you know spine as neutral as, as possible. Uh-huh. Now you might start with your hip stacked and your shoulder closer to square. Got it. You might start with your shoulder stacked and then you progress, right? Mm-hmm. The exact same thing of, of any thought pattern, especially when you're looking at swim lessons and you take it to something like this. It's a progressive, it's a progressive, um, it's a progressive pose. It's a pro- progressive uh, posture. Yes. I, I like that you were, used the word progressive there. That's a really, you know, a key term in in what we're trying to do is you want to gradually, step by step, introduce more complicated skills. And I, I love the way you described this because it was, well, here's here's a tabletop, right? A, a pretty standard basic pose. You put your hands on the ground, your knees on the ground, and then you add a little step, and then you get good at that, and then you add the next step. And then you add the next step, you know, you're just making it harder and harder. But by doing that, it's interesting. It's fun. It's challenging. It's rewarding. Um, How, what, what specifically, because we're kind of pulling up on the end here. What, what is it about yoga that makes it so good for swimming? You know, I paused because I could go on for another hour, right? Um, <laughs> well, like, I think it's so good for. <laughs> well, I think it's so good for swimming. Is I think it's, um, you know, when you look at it overall, in it, because a lot of people, you know, when um, you, you've got you've got the conflict of some people that might be thinking, oh, "Are you really talking about yoga?" Um, because you're talking about these things more of a physical or, or what not, you know, what are you really trying to get at and really what you're trying to get at and why I think this is, and this, and then it's right back to, you know, a yogi thought pattern is, it's, it's all about balance, right? So when you look mm-hmm. at all the elements that are involved in, in what I would call, you know, swimming specific yoga, when you look at the strength component, when you look at the mobility component, when you look at the focus, the mindfulness component, when you look at the balance component, when you look at the body awareness component, and you look at the injury prevention component, and you have you know the background swimming-wise to know how this goes and applies, is that's all about balance, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you're looking... Um, or you have the ability through doing this yoga practice to be able to give the athlete an opportunity to develop a balanced, a balanced, not only vessel, because you're also talking about balance in the way of the mind as well, but you're looking at a balance overall um, when you're looking at being able when when you're looking at in, at um, incorporating 
a yoga practice into what you're doing for swimming. And I think that's what we're, we're always looking for, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you've got power-orientated people. You need to have a little more endurance to be able to, you know, stay horizontal for 100 meters. You, you need, <laughs> you know, some people who are hypermobile, they need to, to gain that balance of strength so that they don't have injury or so that they have the advantage of having the increased range of motion, but that they can actually apply pressure mm-hmm. into that range of motion. You might have your practice swimmer who is killer in a practice and you're going, man, they're going to kill it when they get to the meet. But when they get to the meet, their anxiety is so high, they freaking swim, you know, three seconds slower yeah. in a 100 than they did repeats in practice. Mm-hmm. Well, you've got that component to be able to balance it off with, you know, learning how to control the breath and in turn the mind. You've got, you know, your swimmer who might be um, a great, like, just worker, but has no idea why the heck, you know, where his arm's going in the water or where her <laughs> leg is in her breaststroke kick. They want to work their butts off, but they don't have the body awareness. So all of these elements that we need to have to have balanced athletes are within a yoga practice when it's structured properly. And and what I, I guess I should have said, what what doesn't yoga help with? But then there would be nothing to talk about yeah. because it helps with everything. Um, I like how you said, you know, a, a structured properly yoga practice. What do you? I, I understand you have an online program. What is was is that a well structured practice available for? Um, swim professionals if they want to access it absolutely and and um all the information on what's coming out in that way shape and form will Mm -hmm. be on excelwithgrace.ca and what those programs include uh there'll be a a swimming specific yoga website um which will be swimmingspecificyoga.com and but all the information that is leading into that website is available on the excelwithgrace.ca where you know the, the web page that we're talking about where I'm gonna put more than just the one pose I took a lot of time to go through mm-hmm. um on for your listeners, but they will be able to find all of that information um on the website where that web page is going to be. So excelwithgrace.ca, as I said, people can email me, but all those programs will be there. And if they have any questions about, you know, online classes that will be offered that we'll be able to, you know, do in individuals, um, whether it be some of the subscription stuff or individual or team consulting, they can email me at jeff at excelwithgrace.ca or you know, just website, the information will be there as well. Fantastic. And will you have, um, if, if you could just go a little more detail on what exactly, what, what additionally you'll have specific yoga poses, I think you mentioned, um, uh, flows, like so moving yeah, from be, one to another? There'll be, there'll be structured classes. Great. Um, you know, that, yeah, that you can find on my YouTube channel right now. 
there's um, anywhere from, I guess, I think the shortest is probably about 10 minutes to the mm-hmm. longest that is about 20 um, that are all centered around specific things, whether it be, you know, yoga for, for increasing shoulder mobility for swimmers, whether it be yoga for freestyle, whether it be, you know, yoga for taper. I have short videos on that on my YouTube uh, page, which is Excel with Grace Yoga or Excel with great sports specific yoga, sorry. Um, and, uh, and what's going to happen is those are the, the bite size examples of what you're going to get 45 minute class wise on the website and be able to, um, purchase that content. There'll also be, I've got a very large photo database that will be available as well. And as I said, there is also going to be the ability for individuals uh, to have the, their programs made for them, you know, via, via Skype conversations and sessions, and then, you know, building it from there and team consulting as well. That's fantastic. Now, having watched your videos on YouTube, uh, also through Swim Sam, uh, I I know you have a breadth of experience. Just I mean your experience alone and the amount of time that you've taken to you know become the yoga teacher instructor that you are uh, speaks. Uh, it comes through in those videos and they're very effective and full of information and worth your time looking at. And I think you you said it really well. They're great snapshots or a taste of what you're gonna get in the um, online program that you're offering. Uh, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to bring attention to? Uh, you know, I, I am, I'm working on building yoga into my own swim lessons and my uh, swim team practices, you know, whether that's in, in small doses and using resources like you to kind of guide my way. What is there something that we missed that you want to add before we finish up here? You know, not, not, not that I can think of, um, if there, I mean, there is, you know, like, like I said, when you asked me the, uh, the question about, you know, what, what can swimmers gain from yoga at the end there that I could go on for another hour. I could probably, <laughs> that's probably under exaggerating it. I could go on for a lot more. So there's a lot more that could be said. Uh-huh. I think that you hit on, um, a lot of important things and, your your listeners will be able to gain some more, and if they if they have questions or if you have questions, I'm uh, I'm I'm here and willing to have answers. Well, I I really appreciate that, and I know that you I mean you've certainly demonstrated the, the breadth of your knowledge as a resource. So I want to thank you very much for coming onto our show, uh, Jeff Grace. Thank you for joining us from ExcelWithGrace.ca. Thank you. 